guys, this is El Serpentico, and you're listening to the only wrestling podcast that calls it right down the middle, The Whole Reference Show. And now, the wrestling podcast that calls it right down the middle, The Whole Reference Show. Welcome to the first ever 76th episode of the only wrestling podcast that calls it right down the middle, the whole reference show. My name is Perry Smith. And my name is Darren Beasley. On today's show, we talk about wrestling, Darren. We talk about wrestling. We've done it 75 times in the past. We thought one more time couldn't hurt. Uh, that's true. This will be the last ever episode that we talk about wrestling, however. Actually, I wouldn't say it's all about wrestling because uh, our good friend Teddy Sigma drops by on today's show, and it's a little bit about wrestling and a lot about uh, a lot of other things, we'll say. It, it's it, it's almost not at all about wrestling. Just, <laughs> just, just, just being uh, straightforward and forthcoming, but... Uh, it's a, it's a wonderful conversation. It is a delightful uh, conversation. A lot of fun have Teddy on the it's show. It's a cornucopia is what it is. It is a cornucopia. And when I think of that, I think of, isn't that a Ben and Jerry's ice cream flavor? Is that cornucopia? I don't know. I don't eat ice cream. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, so indeed, uh, we do have Teddy Sigma dropping by on today's show. That's going to happen a bit later on. Of course, we got to talk about WWE's Raw exclusive pay-per-view Elimination Chamber. It went down this past Sunday. Uh, we thought in Paradise, uh, Nevada turned out just to be Las Vegas. I guess that was just a lot easier for people. Uh, yeah, it's just, I guess it's easier to lie to people. <laughs> it's like when people, you say you're from Georgia, people go, oh, Atlanta. It's like, yes. That's the, that's... Yes, Atlanta if you drive four hours in a different direction. <laughs> away from Atlanta. Right, right. Like I'm from Earth. Oh, great, Oklahoma. Um, the same same exact thing there. Uh, before we get into all that, though, I guess we should probably start off some of them. Headlines! Hitting the news ticker this week, Brock Lesnar... That's the only thing he's hitting. He's certainly not hitting an opponent in the ring. He's not stepping in the ring. He's not showing up for the pay-per-view. He's not showing up for Monday Night Raw. That's uh, Is that what you want out of your Universal Champion? Is that what you want out of the lead representative of your brand? If you're asking Vince McMahon, yes. Uh, I, I think up until Monday, the answer would have been yes. But even Vince McMahon, I don't think, can come up with a good reason why Brock Lesnar no-showed Monday Night Raw. Yes, and that's what hit the news ticker, dear listeners. Why was Brock Lesnar not at Raw? Not, it's, it's really not that big a deal for him not to be at Raw. He's frequently not at Raw. And we here on The Whole Ref and Show have a problem with that. Why do you have a part-timer as your champion? It completely undermines the power of that championship. Now, that being said, do you want a champion fighting on every Monday night? No. But they should be present. That belt should be visible. 
so that people still give a damn about it. Right. I, I, I would say that the champion needs at least have a presence on the show. Everyone's fighting for number one contendership. You know what I mean? It's everyone. It's contenders fighting contenders to be number one and not someone challenging the, the champion directly and they, they you know take it out with them. Uh, basically, what I'm trying to say is uh, no taxation without representation, Darren. Well, uh, <laughs> I agree. Okay. I agree. And uh, the Boston Patriots, uh, not the football team, not the football team, <laughs> uh, but the actual <laughs> residents of New England in the 1770s, they would also agree with you. Because... I imagine so. I imagine so. Well, well, I think I mean they said they said it first. Hey, I'm not going to say who said it best. I'm just saying they said it first. Oh, I said it you way think? better. <laughs> well, all right. So this is the problem. Lesnar is normally not there. So what's the big whoop that he's not there this past Monday? Well, because we're only five weeks away from WrestleMania. Number one, you need to be there every stinking week. Be there. Matter. Make yourself matter. Make that belt matter. Now, furthermore, number two, maybe just as important, if not more important, Lesnar was advertised for Raw. Okay? He's not at most Raws, but on the ones that he's not there, they either don't mention him at all, or they mention the fact that he's not there. But all night long, they mentioned how Lesnar was going to be there on Monday night, face-to-face with Roman Reigns. This will be the first time you get to see the WrestleMania main event. You get the matchup, uh, and we will discuss how we got there uh, as a WWE later on in this very broadcast. But we didn't get it. We didn't get to see that. We didn't see that confrontation. We didn't see that culmination. We didn't see anything. We didn't see Brock Lesnar at all. Or Paul Heyman, and Paul Heyman was at Elimination Chamber the night before and basically talked about, you know, the the winner of the Elimination Chamber match going on to face Brock Lesnar at WrestleMania and especially uh, face-to-face Brock Lesnar in the ring at Raw the next night, which didn't happen. So why is Lesnar not there? Why would he not be there? Because he can get away with it, (laughs) basically, right? Well, yeah, but I mean, what what are you doing? I'll, I'll, everything that I've read in the past couple of days, of course, all leads to uh, the 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 not surprising at all, no secret to anyone, revelation that his contract is coming up. He is a shrewd negotiator. He is a good businessman trapped in the body of an angry rhinoceros. Now, that being said, who gives a damn? It's not good business to hold up a company you work for. Vince McMahon has shown us time and time again who wins in the end there. Vince McMahon will always get the last laugh. So whether or not he tolerates this behavior from Lesnar, whether or not he re-signs Lesnar, Lesnar is going to suffer in some fashion. It may not even be a fashion that Lesnar gives a damn about. But it will be some impact on his career and his legacy that the wrestling fans, that the wrestling historians, the wrestling commentators, people like us, and people that really truly care about the business are going to remember things like this. That's not what a good person does. It's not negotiation. It's a holdup. 
Negotiations are fine. Discussing, leveraging, bargaining, all of those things are more than fine in a business setting. Holding someone up, damaging the overall product, that hurts you too, buddy. Brock, you're a part of this business. If you hurt the business, you hurt yourself. So for whatever reason, to show the power that you have as a draw, as a moneymaker, to, to show how much disappointment there is when you don't show up, to see if you can break the internet by appearing on social media in a photograph with Dana White. That's supposedly a new photograph. So now what are you doing? You're publicly leveraging Dana versus Vince? You know, I don't want to see Brock Lesnar back in the octagon because one of two things is going to happen. His next match in the octagon is likely to be his last for real, for real, for real because of his age. So what does that mean? It's either going to be a cupcake, Brock Lesnar versus a cupcake in an octagon so he can devour the cupcake and then do a little dance on his way home. Can I get paid to wrestle a cupcake in the octagon? A, an actual cupcake? unlikely. A six-foot-four cupcake? Yeah. Or the other alternative, of course, is not you versus a six-foot-four cupcake. Aww. But it's Lesnar getting a legitimate opponent because Dana is going to take it to him, and Brock is embarrassed, and then it's damn sure his last UFC match, and... Both his fighting career and his wrestling career are then smudged irreparably. Uh, Dana and Vince, I'm going to do you both a favor here. I'm going to go ahead and book Brock Lesnar's final UFC match. Brock Lesnar versus CM Punk. There. Did it. Did it. It's done. Done. Well, I, there you go. You can, do, you can kill all the birds with one stone. Exactly. There Exactly. You got you got uh, you got your draw. You you definitely have the biggest. You would have the biggest buy rate of any UFC show ever. Every wrestling fan there's ever been. Everyone that's never bought a UFC pay per view is going to buy that show. Every UFC fan is going to buy it because of Lesnar. And then people that don't watch anything are going to buy it for the novelty of it. And. One, you get to see Punk get his brains bashed out again, which everybody wants to see. Right. Which we've been saying since literally episode two of, <laughs> of this podcast. And you get to see Lesnar win, which is what everybody wants to see. So, yeah, I'm with you. You did it. You did Vince and Dana both a favor. You did us all a favor, and you booked that match. Now, another – another here, here's another. I'll do you all a favor. Cut Brock loose. Strip him of the title. Then you don't have to worry about what to do with Roman Reigns, what to do with Braun Strowman. How do we solve a problem like Brock Lesnar? Right? It's not with the sound of music, I'll tell you that much. No, <laughs> it's cutting Brock loose. Bloop, bloop, bloop. Let him fall into the ocean below. Call him flotsam. Call him jetsam. Call him Dunzo in the WWE. Move forward. Keep him out of the octagon. Keep him out of the squared circle. Let's get Braun Strowman on the top of this industry, and let's Brock Lesnar be bygones. I'm I'm with that. Like I said, I I like that the Universal Championship 
was more like a UFC championship, and it kind of became a bit, I don't want to say more legitimate, because, you know, when is the world title not legitimate in WWE? Um, well, arguably. Uh, anyway, but I, I like that, like, Lester, like Lester showed up, uh, you know, every, like, few months to defend it. Like, it was more like UFC champions fighting every couple months to defend their titles. And that was kind of cool for a while. But like I said, going on a year going into WrestleMania, it's it's time. And whoever they have going against Brock Lesnar... Spoiler alert for Elimination Chamber, it is going to be Roman Reigns. That is in no way surprising, by the way. That has been the plan for such a long time. Uh, and they, they literally even say at Elimination Chamber when he wins, years in the making, because it kind of is. Then, uh, you know, just let Reigns get in there. You know he's going to win. And it's a good thing. And I think WWE Universe is going to be into that because they're tired of Brock Lesnar, you know, being the guy that shows up every now and again and now no showing Raw. Um, but now there seems to be a, a shadow, a dark shadow, uh, forming over Roman Reigns. That's what I was going to say. I was going to ask you, how could this problem with Brock Lesnar get worse? Well, <laughs> I'll tell you how, because you can have a problem with Roman Reigns manifest itself. And that's precisely what we're seeing with Roman Reigns. Several weeks back, an, an individual who is imprisoned at this time began to toss around the name Roman Reigns in terms of uh, interviews, uh, court documents, discussions with his legal representation, etc. And all of this was being made public. Now, the information being made public was that Roman Reigns was on a list of several individuals who received illegal substances of whatever variety, we are not perfectly clear, from this imprisoned individual before such time as this individual was imprisoned. Now, Roman Reigns, we know, has tested positive under WWE's wellness policy for illegal substances, or if not illegal, banned substances. Uh, substances which are covered by WWE's wellness policy. Now, were these substances purchased from this individual who's claiming he sold Roman Reigns, X, Y, and Z? I don't know. But I do know that this story has gained enough steam, whereas we've left it off broadcasts over the past several weeks, I feel this is the time and the place to mention it. Because... We may be staring down the barrel of a Brock Lesnar debacle in the weeks leading up to WrestleMania. Now, there may be one with Roman Reigns as well. So, do they both go belly up here right before their one-on-one -on -one main event at WrestleMania in only five weeks? Does one of them get tossed to the side? Or does everything end up working out in the end? Who knows there's too much unknown is roman reigns going to respond again to these persistent allegations he blew them off initially and a lot of people thought that that would be that but now there is documentation there's apparently proof that links roman reigns to this individual and to the purchase of illegal and or banned substances what do you think about that I think that's uh, no good. 
<laughs> it's not good for Roman Reigns. It's not good for business. Uh, it's it's uh, it's sad. Vince might not get his dream match uh, after all. Um, even after all this uh, odd tap dancing, it is weird though because it does leave uh, Braun Strowman uh, thus far with no opponent at WrestleMania. Speculation could actually end up being John Cena at this rate. Um, neither one have opponents, and they're not leaving John Cena off the card at WrestleMania. So I, I, I don't know. I mean, there could be some last-minute changes. WWE is no stranger to those. You know, you know, due to injuries, due to all kinds of shit, due to wellness policy violations. So I'm sure they have a contingency plan in the event that. But I'm 80% sure we're going to see Roman Reigns and uh, Brock Lesnar at WrestleMania in the main event. And that, that that's that. I think you're right, but I almost think it would be what WWE deserves for this thing to get really, really hairy. And uh, as far as John Cena goes, I want to see John Cena versus The Undertaker. And You want to? I do. I do actually want to see this. I didn't think that I did. I didn't. But you can't see this, Darren. Oh, no, I can't. I can't see John Cena, but... You know, I never thought I wanted to see Undertaker in the ring again uh, following WrestleMania 33 last year in Orlando. But I think I would like to see Undertaker Cena because I can't think of another Cena match that I want to see based on the members of the Raw and SmackDown rosters. And I think Cena might actually put over the Undertaker. Well, Cena certainly did beat uh, AJ Styles, the WWE heavyweight champion on SmackDown to get a spot to go into the main event at Fastlane. Um, so he beat the champion fair and square, which isn't good for business, by the way. Um, no, it's not. <laughs> so who, who knows? Whatever. As long as, as long as Shinsuke and AJ isn't messed up or added on to, or just fucked up in some way between non WrestleMania, I don't care what else the card is. I don't give a shit. Well, I, I am going to pull for Cena and Undertaker. I'm going to pull for Lesnar-Strowman. I'm going to pull for a Lesnar-Strowman match with Strowman going over and Brock going the way of the Dodo. Oh, wow. That's not going to happen, by the way. That's no. just what I want to happen. I, I'm going to pull for a Sting-Taker, because I still want Sting and Undertaker. But, <laughs> at this rate, I don't think I'm going to get it. And, uh, you know, a lot of people didn't get what they wanted, Darren. A lot of people didn't get that WrestleMania spot. Because that Elimination Chamber, a lot of people had a lot of chances for WrestleMania spots and uh, came up short. Now, you and I, we watched this thing, right? And going into it, we had a lot of ideas about who would win the Elimination Chamber matches. Because there were two. The first ever women's Elimination Chamber match happened. Uh, let's get into it, man. Let's go into our head-to-head... Head-to-head... Results. Dear listeners, are you ready for the results? What results, you ask? The head-to-head... Head-to-head... Results from the whole Reffin Show's predictions for WWE's Raw brand... Elimination Chamber Network Special. This past Sunday, the 25th of February, 2018, live from Paradise, Nevada, which may or may not be Las Vegas, the <laughs> Elimination Chamber Network Special 
on the network before our very eyes, and there were five excellent matches on the show proper, as well as one pre-show match. Now, we picked, between you and I, on last episode, episode 75 of the whole reference show, five of these matches. We made our predictions. We had no idea there was going to be this pre-show match. And if we did, we didn't know what it was going to be. So let's let's discuss that briefly. Then we'll get into the meat and potatoes of the show and see how our picks turned out. Okay, this is the, the Crab Rangoon of our uh, Sesame Chicken or General So's Chicken uh, meal pay-per-view. Uh, yeah, this is uh, the club, Gallows and Anderson taking on the Miz Taraj uh, Bo Dallas and uh, Curtis Axel, and uh, it's a decent match. It's fine. I mean, it's it's like a typical raw match, really. I don't know if it's as good as Crab Rangoon. I'm just gonna say that. Yeah, much. I kind of I take that back immediately because Crab Rangoon is really good. Um, this is maybe like the I don't know what this would be. This would be like it would be like getting the the fortune cookie before dinner. <laughs> Only there's no fortune inside, or the fortune is completely pointless. Um, or the cookie is more stale than usual. Wow. Ooh. Well, and and off of that, uh, the club wins. Uh, they beat <laughs> they beat uh, Dallas and uh, Axel, and uh, Mister Raj goes down. So it's actually nice to see the Mister Raj wrestle. Sometimes I forget that they actually are wrestlers because they only ever uh, stand I, in Mrs. Corner. That that's true. But I'm I am pro Mister Raj. One way or the other, I enjoy them. I, I've liked Bo Dallas a lot in a lot of different incarnations. This is definitely the first time I have ever thought favorably of Curtis Axel, and I, I really hate that for the for the man whose real name, of course, is Joe Hennig, son of Mister Perfect Kurt Hennig, who we have been forced to accept as Axelmania. And uh, got Michael McGillicuddy. I mean, could we please tap dance all over this fellow's head a little bit more? I mean, I feel bad for the guy, but I will say this is the first time I've ever appreciated him. So good on Curtis Axel. There you go. No, I do like them as well. Uh, I am a fan. I do think they're entertaining to watch. It's just they need to to wrestle more often. And the same can be said about the club. They, they have a very diminished role on Raw these days. It's pretty rare that they actually get to wrestle. So good for them. A little bit of pre-show action there. But that's going to take us into the actual event itself. Elimination Chamber starts up with the first ever women's Elimination Chamber. This one is actually for the women's title. Alexa Bliss involved in the match. She does not start the match off, though. The actual people who start the match off are Bailey. And Sonya Deville, uh, meaning that uh, waiting to go, hidden away, tucked away, locked away in their little pods, uh, awaiting to be released, are Mandy Rose, Mickey James, Alexa Bliss herself, and Sasha Banks. That's kind of the order of uh, the match, by the way. Uh, Bailey and Sonya Deville started off, then Mandy Rose comes out. Sasha Banks comes out, then Mickey James, and then the champion Alexa Bliss finally comes out. Uh, so it's it's a good match. What, what do you think, Darren? First time, first time the women are, are put in that kind of match. So I think that they uh, did pretty well with with basically kind of figuring out how to implement the chamber itself into the wrestling. 
I think that that is the great success of this match is the figuring out how to do a women's version of it because right, wrong, or indifferent, uh, feminism, equality, all of that taking into consideration, uh, women in wrestling, not the same skill set as men. Not saying better, not saying worse, just not the same. Abilities. Not the same. Approach, not the same. So, how do you do something that you want to be the same level of achievement, the same level of appeal to the fans, the same level of excitement, but with a different skill set? Well, the ladies figured it out. Uh, The ladies are not going to necessarily powerbomb one another into the chain link wall. They're not going to jump off uh, or repel from the ceiling like we saw Sin Cara or was it Kalisto? One of them do at one point. <laughs> They're the but same guy. <laughs> what you are going to see is I thought the bit with Sasha and Bailey chasing Alexa Bliss all over the cage, up the chain walls, on top of the pods. Sasha kicking Bailey down from the top of the pod. All of that was fantastic. You made the you made it make sense that the match would be in the elimination chamber. It wasn't just in the chamber, but it stayed in the ropes and it was just a regular match. It made it make sense for the chamber. It made it make sense for it to be a women's match. It made it make sense for it to be a multi-person match, a la a scramble. And Everybody played their part, and everybody played the part that they would play in this type of match. So, yeah, I think it was great. Yeah. I think they pulled it off. It, it was good because, I mean, if even if you, you're wrestling in a, we'll say, a steel cage, you know, it's unless you actually use the cage or involve the cage, it just becomes a wrestling match inside of a steel cage. You know what I mean? So you, you have yes, to... you have to. You have to adapt what you do to, to the actual match it is. Otherwise, you're just wrestling inside Elimination Chamber. That's why you have to, like, use the walls as a weapon, you know, jump off the pods and all that stuff. you got to kind of use the tools that are given to you. Um, and I thought the women did a, a good job. Um, I th- there seemed to be a lot of unnecessary climbing of the fence. Like, uh, it happened kind of early on in the match. Everyone kept trying to climb the fence, and it was just like, what are you doing? Like... <laughs> In, in most situations, it was just someone catching someone who was climbing, uh, and not not in the Alexa Bliss way, where Alexa Bliss was evading. Uh, later on, she'd be evading Bailey and Sasha Banks. That was that was very well done. Um, but some people did come off the pod uh, and and use that. Uh, Mickey James jumps off the pod uh, and lands on. Sonya Deville and actually eliminates her that way. Uh, the first person to be eliminated actually is Mandy Rose. Uh, Sasha Banks makes Mandy Rose tap to the bank statement. And it's not good for Mandy Rose, who is quote unquote Vince's like, you know, protege or like going to eventually be this big thing, to now have the first ever elimination in Royal Rumble. Women's Royal Rumble and the first ever elimination in the women's elimination chamber because you know that's gonna be thrown in her face over and over again throughout the rest of her career. Um, I just think that was unwise to do that. Yeah, it was, uh, and they immediately mentioned it too. 
Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. As soon as she was eliminated from the chamber, they said, well, you know. Yeah, I thought I thought that immediately, and then they mentioned it, and I was like, oh, great, now it's going to be a thing. Uh, so, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah, it's, a, it's totally a thing. <laughs> I will say this. Uh, I really liked Sonya and Mandy without Paige. Like... You know, it was cool for the three of them to come out together, and I will admit, all three coming out together was cool, and I was slightly disappointed when Paige immediately turned and went backstage without even coming down the ramp. I was like, oh, no, because I like Paige, you know. But then my opinion immediately changed because seeing Sonya and Mandy in the ring, both in their best white gear, you know, the Mandy, WrestleMania uh, White's a little premature, yeah. don't you think? Jeez. A little premature, a little premature. Mandy looked uh, good, but not that drastically different. And the White, Sonya looked like a different person. Yeah. It I, looked like, like, literally you slap a new coat of paint, but this was more than just a coat of paint. Sonya Deville went from looking pretty cool to, like, I don't know, man. She jumped way up my list uh, of female competitors on Raw. That's unfortunate because I was going to say the complete opposite. I was going to say the all-white uniform did no favors with Sonya Deville. I was thinking what? about I was thinking about those Oreo cookies that are like. <laughs> And, and those, I don't know what you're talking about. And, and those Oreo cookie commercials where it's white chocolate instead of the black, uh, typically, and like everyone's wearing a uh, white and gold. Just, wait, 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 wait. They make an all-white Oreo? Uh, wait, the, the the middle, I think, is is yellow frosting of some sort. But the, yellow? The, I That's... think so. I'm talking about the commercials for those cookies, where everyone's wearing white and gold. Um, so I thought of that. The thing is, Mandy Rose looks good in anything. I think if you put her in a trash bag, she'd still look pretty good in it. Sonya Deville, not so much. Um, and I, I don't think... I don't think the white was a good... I don't think the all-white was a good look on her. Oh, really? See, we, we're going to firmly disagree here. We're going head-to-head. Head-to-head. On the fashion, apparently. Um, and that I did not see that. Wow, okay. Well, uh, No, and I did. I did see it. Well, well, folks, what do you think? You can let us know. There's a lot of ways to let us know. Find us on Twitter. Uh, okay, we'll, we'll save that for later. But anyway. Yeah, save uh, that for later. You probably already <laughs> know it. So, uh, yeah, I wasn't a fan of the white. Uh, I like her better in, in the black. And, again, I still don't think... I was a big fan of the white. Okay. Uh, again, I don't... Did I say that yet? I'm still not a huge fan of Sonya Deville in general. Um, so I, I still think she's there a little too soon. She might be the female Apollo Crews. Just a, a, a lot of potential, but just too soon. Too soon. I hope not. I hope not. That You're right. That's still yet to be seen, and it could be true. I just hope that it isn't. Right. Fair enough. Um, well, later on in the match, eventually, it just becomes down between uh, Sasha Banks and Alexa Bliss. And I'm thinking, like, oh, because my prediction for this match was actually Sasha going over on Alexa. But you got to think, first ever Elimination Chamber match for the women here. You can't just have the champion retain. Like, someone has to beat the champion, right? Made sense to right. me. Also, I, I don't think they want, you know, at this point I'm thinking they don't really want to see Asuka fight Alexa at WrestleMania. I don't think people want to really see that match. And uh, that was my thinking for this. And here's what happened at the very, very end. Alexa Bliss comes off of a pod, 
twist of bliss on to Sasha Banks. Um, but apparently there was a, a bit of a mess up there because I think Sasha Banks was supposed to immediately uh, counter that into a bank statement. But what happens is Alexa lands on Sasha and then you can you can kind of see Sasha's legs go up a little bit, but she just can't quite do it. And then <laughs> a very quick decision, obviously a, a quick communication between the two of them. And all of a sudden, Sasha, I think, rolls Alexa into the ring and throws the bank statement on, which Alexa gets out of, by the way. And then when Sasha goes to the top rope, Alexa's there and catches her and comes off the top rope with a DDT. And the one, two, three on Sasha Banks. And that's it. That's how the match ends. Alexa retains that women's title. Yeah, that's how the match ended physically. But let the theatrics rule the day. Once Renee Young is in the ring putting a microphone in front of Alexa Bliss. Holy cow. This chick can tear down the house. She starts off crying. Ostensibly she's crying. Turns out she's not crying. She's not upset. One huge, dirty, nasty, gnarly, underhanded, no good lousy trick <laughs> i'm not calling her a trick i'm calling what she did a trick right 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 of that's course. exactly what she did she pulled a fast one on everybody watching they thought she was crying this was her opportunity it's girlhood dream you know this is for all the little girls out there and she says that this is for all the little girls out there and for all the women out there who ever dared to dream I am you, you are me, this shows you what can happen. And then she yanks the rug right out from underneath them saying, all they could ever do is dream. But none of them could ever be as good as she. Oh my God, Alexa Bliss. I don't think it was so much pulling out the rug from underneath, it was more like pulling out the crutch from underneath a, a wounded... Uh, a wounded child. Um, I, I thought that was great. No, great, incredible, great promo. Really great. I mean, Alexa wins the match and kind of proves like why she is kind of the top girl in Raw right now, because that girl can promo. Like she is really good at what she does. Absolutely, she's one of the great women heels. One of the great heels in general uh, on wrestling uh, television today, for sure. Uh, so yeah, very good match. Uh, still a little surprised Alexa came out with it. Um, and uh, she's going to WrestleMania, man, as the champion. That that's that's gonna that's gonna happen. And yeah, the only bad thing, and there is only one bad thing, is it was a great finish. It was a great match. Excellent follow up promo. Alexa deserves to be the champion. I like her as the champion. I like I like her as as the winner of this match. The only downside, of course, is that you and I picked Sasha Banks. Yeah. So unfortunately, we. We start the night off with a bad pick. We made all the same picks for this show, and now we've started off both with a whammy. That's a that's called a double whammy. It's it's no good. It's it's better than single. The double, of course. Uh, so yeah, that one we don't get right, uh, sadly. However, our luck changes. Uh, <laughs> our luck's pretty good for the rest of the show. Uh, a lot of people call this kind of a predictable pay-per-view. I, I thought out of the box this women's match. It kind of bit us both in the ass because I actually got you to change your vote to Sasha Banks with me. 
Um, That's true. It's it's we don't we don't talk about that. But the next match we do get right. It is for the tag titles, the Raw tag titles, with she missing Cesaro, uh, the Bjar, the Bjar. They uh. You're killing me with that impression. They're taking on uh, Titus O'Neil and Apollo. Titus Worldwide coming for those tag belts. And those tag belts could work wonders for these two men. But uh, we both knew better than that. There's no way they're going to let these guys go into WrestleMania as the, uh, the tag champions. Plus, the bar just got them back from Rollins and uh, Jason Jordan. So this was kind of a no-brainer, right? Oh yeah, I mean, b- besides, it's it's a little bit too high for Titus Worldwide to grab these days because you know the bar they set the bar pretty high, and you know they don't just set the bar; <laughs> they are the bar. They are the bar. The Shima Sinzero by the Yeah, that's just a lot of fun to say their names. And uh, yeah, I mean, it ends. It, it's a good match. It's a fairly good match. Uh, Titus O'Neil. I really wish you would wear some wrist tape or something. Because anyone who doesn't wear anything on their arms or their hands coming out of the ring and they wear the underwear, it makes them just look naked. It makes them look like looks like they lost their shirt and their pants somewhere. Um, <laughs> well, another thing, and, then, and I'll be brief with this, but I, I have to take opportunity uh, to not express judgment or disgust, but a little bit of disappointment. You know, we all knew that Titus was a lame duck because of his own personal double whammy from just a few years ago when he reached out and touched someone. Unfortunately, that individual was Vince McMahon, and because he grabbed Vince McMahon on live television, uh, which shocked Vince McMahon, again, no ill intention, simply uh, playing around. Nevertheless, the shock created an overreaction out of the chairman and Vince uh, suspended Titus, and he ended up missing WrestleMania uh, as a result of that. Second infraction is Titus gives an interview as he talked about how much time was left on his contract, and he said he would not be resigning. He said he would not resign. So you've got a guy that Vince has pretty much made a troublemaker, now he said he will not re-sign. So why would the company ever do anything with him? He made himself a lame duck. <laughs> he put himself in a situation where no one would want to invest in that character going forward. And, and here is where I'm expressing my disappointment. My disappointment is I think Titus has basically let himself go physically as a result of knowing he's never going to be at the top of the mountain and knowing he's only going to be in wrestling for so much longer. He has nothing to strive for, nothing to prepare for, nobody left to impress. So this mountain of a man who at one time was in peak physical condition is still probably, not probably, definitely, in much better physical condition than I am. But I'm not on national television every Monday night in my underpants. Well, not with that attitude. Okay. (laughs) But Titus, despite his attitude, and I think he has a decidedly bad attitude these days, to be perfectly frank, and I think the result is 
he's let himself go, and he's not the amazing physical specimen he once was. And that may, honestly, that makes me care about him a little less. Wow. Well, I still find him entertaining uh, to watch. I think he's very humorous. And again, when he when he transitioned into manager, I thought it was actually a very good move for him because he's actually a really good manager. Um, well, I did too. I totally did too. Okay. Well, nonetheless, they do lose to uh, Sheamus and Cesaro. Um, yeah, the usual tag team, uh, double team from Sheamus and Cesaro puts away... Uh, Apollo, Cesaro gets the pin and the win, and they retain those titles. They're going to WrestleMania, the tag team champions, Darren. You can't stop them. They aren't just, no, they aren't just the bar. Them. We didn't try to stop them. They we aren't just the them. bar. They aren't just the bar. They are the bar. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. that, that's what they said. And we did pick and guess them. we picked the bar. Yeah, we, we, I said that earlier. We did pick them because that was a no-brainer. Uh, moving on, Asuka putting her undefeated streak on the line against Nia Jax, the Empress of Tomorrow, against the Irresistible Force, and uh, it's a good match. I mean, it's 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 a typical Nia Jax match where she squashes the hell out of her opponent for most of the match. I mean, I don't like it in this case because Asuka's supposed to be like pretty devastating herself. You know, she doesn't have the size, but she has the ferocity of uh, of Asuka. Um, so, you know, it, 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 it's still a good match for what it is. It, again, mostly Nia beating up on Asuka. Nia picks up Asuka for a powerbomb, but Asuka rolls her up for the pin. Kind of a quick finish to the match, which I actually liked. I thought the, the match had really good pace, I thought, um, which I enjoyed. It kept it entertaining, but we, we both figured that Asuka would not lose her streak now going into WrestleMania. Um, so we both picked Asuka, and we were right about that, Darren. We were right. That was a no-brainer. They were not going to have her lose here, despite the stipulation. Of course, the stipulation was that if Nia Jax won on this night, she'd be added to Asuka's title match at WrestleMania 34. That was conv- It was just so convoluted in the first place that we knew it wouldn't happen. Right. So once you've reached that level of, of convoluted, then you just do away with it. But they didn't. They also didn't pull the trigger on it. Thank goodness we were right about that. And Asuka does win and go on to have what we believe will be a singles match at WrestleMania. Fighting the champion of her choosing. We'll just have to wait and see. We'll have to wait and see. Nia Jax not too happy about Asuka's victory, of course. Nia Jax beats up on Asuka and does the you know rhino stampede. <laughs> Through the uh, through the uh, the barrier on the outside, which she is, she does about once a month at this rate. Uh, I'm getting a little tired of, of seeing it happen, but you know whatever. So, I am tired of seeing it happen. If it was ever going to happen, though, this was the time, right? Because this was the best looking one that a, that she or any other woman or any other man has done in a long time. That poor section of barricade is frequently speared through. And this one was the best one I've seen in, in years. I like when uh, I, I like when they go through that area because you get to see like JoJo, the ring announcer and stuff, like just look very disinterested and <laughs> right. not like they just saw a human being, uh, you know, go through a, a guardrail. Um, they're just kind of like, like, oh yeah, that's great. All right, good deal. Let me check my Twitter. Um, so that's interesting. Uh, 
So Nia Jax still looks strong in her defeat. Uh, she's going to WrestleMania in some capacity. We shall see. Asuka, though, definitely going on. And that's exciting to see. Uh, next match is Matt Hardy. Woken Matt Hardy takes on the Eater of Worlds, Bray Wyatt. And uh, this right here is a good match. I will say this very quickly, and, and I will not say this for anyone else. If ever there needed to be a House of Horrors match between two individuals... It is these two individuals. Yes. Um, I want to see a House of Horrors match take place. It, it, it could happen at WrestleMania. I'd be totally fine with that. But I gotta see Woken Matt Hardy involved in a House of Horrors match with Bray Wyatt. What I'm hoping is we get to see the the blow off between the two of them at WrestleMania and 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 actually have it include other members of the Woken or Broken universe. That'd be great. That'd be really, really cool. That, of course, depends on uh, Jeff Hardy's uh, condition going into WrestleMania. Again, we talked about it a little bit in the last episode. Jeff might actually be cleared in time for WrestleMania, but doesn't leave a whole lot of time for, you know, setting the scene, as it were, for WrestleMania. Uh, so we shall see what happens there. But on this match, on this night, uh, it's it's good. Um <laughs> Uh, Bray Wyatt comes out to the ring. Uh, he kind of appears in the ring to try to surprise Matt Hardy. Matt Hardy is has disappeared out of the ring. Uh, so Bray Wyatt is looking for Matt Hardy, and, and Matt Hardy is mocking uh, Bray Wyatt on the uh, on the microphone. Uh, eventually, though, Matt Hardy does reappear, and the match starts off. Uh, eventually, Matt hits Twist of Fate and the pin on Bray Wyatt, and uh, it's uh, it's actually a really good match in that. Matt Hardy really gets the audience involved. Um, the audience, he does, he does. Audience was really, really involved in this match, and he, like I said, he turned on the theatrics to kind of bring him back because earlier in the match, um, the audience was really, really distracted because apparently there was a beach ball getting knocked around, and and someone grabbed the beach ball and took it away, and people were chanting about that. And you could see Bray Wyatt and uh, Matt Hardy kind of communicate to each other what's going on in the audience because they realize that they're reacting to not the match. Um, (laughs) um, So it was interesting that that all happened. But Matt Hardy worked his ass off to kind of bring the people back in to the action. So hats off to Matt Hardy, absolutely. Yeah, Matt Hardy did everything in his disposal uh, to to carry this match. Bray did a fine job. Oh, that was great. Uh, Bray would do... Bray would do just as good, if not better, of a job the next night on Raw. So maybe Bray, maybe he's feeling it. Maybe he's feeling this program. Maybe he knows which direction it's going or knows how it's going to end. And therefore, he's putting a little bit more of himself into it because whatever the story is, Bray maybe sees the end of it. He's had conversations about it, whatever. And I'm talking about the man behind Bray Wyatt. I'm talking about Wyndham Rotundo who has to, you know, go to work and pretend to be Bray Wyatt every day, I think that man is satisfied with what's been laid before him because it shines through in the character of Bray Wyatt being more entertaining and more engaging than he has been in a year, I guess, basically, since he went into Mania as the uh, world champion. He was champion exactly one year ago to the day, more or less, because... He won it at Elimination Chamber last year. Yeah, and, and, and what we're seeing now is the best thing uh, about him since then. Right. And uh, 
So, you know. <laughs> That's a long time. That's kind of a sad statement. Well, I, it is sad, I, but sad but true. Oh, good song. After that, we have the official contract signing with Ronda Rousey. Uh, Kurt Angle, Triple H, and Stephanie McMahon come to the ring. Then uh, Ronda Rousey uh, gets called out after uh, a lot of nice things said about her by Triple H and Stephanie. Uh, loud crowd reaction to this. Uh, again, the crowd a little weird here. Um, this is the Vegas crowd, more or less. Paradise Vegas crowd. It's a lot of UFC fans in the audience, you know, so they have their opinions on Ronda Rousey. Um, some people are like, boo, has been! You know, she she lost two fights, so she's stupid, um, of course. Uh, yeah, which is unfair and fair at the same time. Right, but also... Sport. But also, apparently a fight broke out in the audience in the middle of all this. Um, so the audience, again, is distracted that this big thing's going on. Ronda Rousey, like, you know, the biggest name, like basically the Brock Lesnar of the female division, of uh, the yeah. women's division. And uh, she's signing the papers to join the roster officially. And the fans are, like, booing and cheering this, you know, guy being arrested who got into a fight in the audience. So that that's interesting. <laughs> so that's rough. So the crowd is really loud and they're reacting to things that you don't even see off camera. I thought it turned out pretty well that this could have just been her signing the thing going, well, see ya. See ya later, everybody. Uh, see you on Monday, boss. But I thought they actually... I, no, no, no. For it, to, for it to turn into what it turned into... I it's, thought this actually played out perfectly. What the doctor ordered. Absolutely, yeah. Because um, they do acknowledge people's feelings on Ronda Rousey, which is like, oh, Ronda Rousey now? That's that's crap compared to what she was three years ago by having Kurt Angle kind of like spill the beans more or less and say like Triple H and Stephanie are only doing this because they feel like they owe you and, you know, you're a has-been is what they said and... And he, he mentions, and I'm so glad, because that was like, well, the last time they saw Ronda Rousey was when Ronda Rousey, like, beat them both up at WrestleMania, you know, 31, which Kurt Angle mentions. And I was like, oh, good, there's the continuity, because Ronda Rousey, it's not the first time she's been in the ring, you know, like, she that was the last right. time, more or less. And um, so I'm glad that they bring that up, even though Kurt Angle says WrestleMania 21, which, uh, if you watch... <laughs> If you watch the edits of it now, it's a very quick edit, so he, it sounds like he knows what he's talking about, uh, to 31. Yeah, basically, yeah. Kurt, oh, Kurt Angle, he, I think he actually is, has been sick lately, um, and he's he, he flubs a lot anyway, so the two together is a perfect storm for that guy. Um, <laughs> so basically, Ronda Rousey is now suspicious of why they brought her in to sign her. And everything, and, and of course it turns ugly, and, and Ronda puts Triple H to the table, and comes after Stephanie, Stephanie slaps the hell out of her, um, and it, it ends really, really well, and, and again, they address kind of the apprehension that a lot of WWE fans have, because they, you know, they're like, oh, she's not what she used to be, or whatever. The thing is, though, I think if done properly, this could be Stone Cold Steve Austin, Vince McMahon. But Ronda Rousey, Stephanie McMahon. Because wow. no one's been able to, like, no one's ever been able to really, like, get back at Stephanie. Because, you know, she'll come in and tear all the male wrestlers apart and they can't do anything about it. They can't hit her. This time it's Ronda Rousey who can hit them, you know, and she's got the rebel attitude. I think if this is done properly, it can be as, I won't say as good because you really can't compare the two. 
it will be damn cool to see her kind of antagonize Stephanie McMahon in the way that Steve Austin did to Vince McMahon. I, it would be. It would be. I don't I don't know, but it would be. So that's cool, and I'm looking forward to seeing uh, where that leads to. Uh, but it does lead us into the main event of the evening. Believe it or not, it is an Elimination Chamber match at Elimination Chamber. It is the Men's Elimination Chamber match, and it is it is for no titles. Uh, it is for that number one spot to take on Brock Lesnar at WrestleMania 34, Darren. That's right. We've got Braun Strowman, Elias, Finn Balor, John Cena, Roman Reigns, Seth Rollins, and The Miz. One more person competing in this match than competed in the Women's Elimination Chamber. And the first time we've ever seen seven competitors in an Elimination Chamber match. They made the exception. They added Seth Rollins. It went from one-on-one -on -one with four men in four pods to a triple threat with four men in four pods. And all seven of these men want and desire and are fighting. Right before, it's in their grasp. The right to face Brock Lesnar for the Universal Championship at WrestleMania 34 in New Orleans. That is correct, Darren. That is correct. Of course, we know that going into this match that uh, Elias is going to be the last person involved in the match since he beat uh, John Cena and Braun Strowman in a triple threat match, which is funny to say. It's just funny to say that sentence. Um, I would have loved, though, if instead of him uh, being in the pod, kind of just stand there the whole time, because he, he gets to play guitar in the very beginning. He still gets to do the Elias bit going into this match with people like fucking Braun Strowman and John Cena, um, which I thought was kind yeah, of interesting. Oh, yeah, it shows they're committed to it. Oh, absolutely. I would have loved it if he were in a pod playing guitar, like, on a stool the entire match. Yes, I that would have been good. I think that would have been cool. I think it would have been cool if, like, you know, instead of starting it off as a triple threat match, which is what they do with the seventh person, um, maybe, like, Elias can kind of hang out outside the cage and come in whenever he wants. Uh, would have been kind of cool with me. Um, but anyway, it does start off with The Miz, the IC champion. So, of course, again, the IC belt not defended on the pay-per-view. Uh, the Miz, Seth Rollins, and Finn Balor start the match off. And a uh, good match. Really good match. Mostly, though, it's just Braun Strowman cleaning house. Uh, after those three, John Cena joins the mix, plus... Roman Reigns jumps in there, then Braun Strowman, and then, of course, finally Elias. And uh, it's a good match. Darren, your thoughts? Uh, it's a, yes, I, I, it's a good match. But it's hard. You have seven top stars. And Elias. And it's a cage match. And it's an extra gimmicky cage match. So it's hard to make it not entertaining. Uh, it's entertaining by virtue of who's in it. And, and what they're doing. So I enjoyed the match a lot. I enjoyed uh, I enjoyed this mix of people. Elias does stand out like a sore thumb. He really does. This I'm not saying he's not good. I'm not saying that he... Some people may even think he belongs there. He's earned it at whatever you're, you want to say. Uh, it, it's a little weird. It, to me, any way you look at it, it's a little weird. He's It's a little too soon. Uh, so he sticks out. He sticks out. This is the type of match you expect to see John Cena 
and two-thirds of the shield end. Right. To see the Miz. You expect to see them. And then Strowman, of course, Strowman is a freak. He's an oddity. He's an anomaly. He belongs anywhere they want to put his enormous scary body and scream. And uh, so he fits. Right. Uh, Elias, Elias stands out a little bit. And honestly, Finn Balor sticks out a little bit. Because Finn Balor, to me, is so New Japan. He's so NXT. And he just hasn't had the proper kind of WWE main roster exposure. He hasn't had uh, enough success that lasted. He, he just hasn't had the shine. He hasn't had that main roster shine. Now, that doesn't mean he doesn't belong. It doesn't mean he's not good. It just means that at a glance, he can appear kind of out of place. But I'm not going to complain about that either because he's a hell of a performer. He does a hell of a job. And if anybody looks out of place these days, I'm not going to say it's a negative. I'm going to say it can even be construed to be a positive for someone like me who likes an influx of outsiders. You know, this is not D'Lo Brown versus Hardcore Holly for the 758th time on Sunday Night Heat. No, this is something crazy. This is seven dudes that who the hell ever thought you'd see them all fighting each other in a single cage match. So, it's the spectacle more than anything. The match is fine, yes. The match is good. It's the spectacle uh, that puts the butts in the seats, at least on this night. Right. No, I, I agree with that completely. Um, it, it's a good uh, smattering of your, your typical uh, heavyweight championship uh, contenders and challengers you know, from Raw, because that's what it is. And Elias. And Elias, of course, of course. Um, so yeah, everyone gets a little bit of uh, good stuff in there, but mostly it's just uh, Strowman cleaning house. Uh, Braun hits Power Slam on Miz and pins, eliminates him. Uh, Strowman uh, <laughs> becomes invincible. He must have picked up the power pill from uh, <laughs> Pit Fighter uh, or Star for Mario, if you will, uh, because everyone decides to gang up on Strowman. Strowman takes the shield power bomb from everyone who's left in the ring. Uh, Strowman kicks out. Uh, he gets AA'd from John Cena. He kicks out. Spear from <laughs> Reigns. Kick out. Stomp from Rollins. And uh, swings out of the ring for a coup de grace from uh, Finn Balor. And this guy just keeps on coming. Eventually Braun hits power slam and the pin on Elias taking him out. Power slam and pin on John Cena. Power slam and pin on Finn Balor. Two-thirds of the shield left in the ring, taking on Braun Strowman. Uh, Rollins hits Braun with the frog splash from top of the pod, which looks super painful for both Braun Strowman and uh, uh, Seth Rollins. Uh, but nonetheless, power slam and pin on Rollins for uh, from Braun Strowman. And that leaves Braun versus Roman Reigns. And we said that Roman Reigns would win this match. And even though Braun Strowman has five eliminations at this point, which they say is a record, repeatedly over and over again, because they're all about the records, aren't they, Darren? That's Most right. definitely are. <laughs> several Superman punches, several spears. Eventually, Braun does get pinned. He stays down. And then, for his troubles winning the match, Roman Reigns gets thrown through a pod by Braun Strowman. And the circle of life is completed. So Roman Reigns won the match. We said he would. And uh, he's going on, surprise, surprise, to fight Brock Lesnar at WrestleMania for that Universal title. 
And happy we are about our correct pick. Sad we are that we were correct. Right, absolutely. Again, let's just let it happen. Like, just just happen. You know, it's, it's, it's been the thing that was supposed to happen for so long. Like, at this point, I'm not even mad. It's just like, okay, fine. You know, like, get it. Do it. It's fine. Let's go ahead and take care of it. Whatever. That's kind of that. So, your main event looks like, barring any unforeseen circumstances where... There, there are immediate consequences to, you know, Roman Reigns and the whole, you know, substance stuff that's coming out now. We talked about it earlier in the headlines. Um, and, and Brock Lesnar no-showing WrestleMania, which if that happened, oh my god. Uh, <laughs> we're going to see Roman versus uh, Lesnar at WrestleMania. And that's it for Elimination Chamber. Uh, pretty good show, some good wrestling, um, but pretty predictable as well which made it pretty easy for us when it came to our head-to-head. Head-to-head. Because we are 4-4-5. Four, four, and that's uh, how the cookie crumbles. And that's Elimination Chamber. Yeah, I, um, I, was, I was proud of us. I, uh, I, I wish we hadn't missed the... Uh, wish you hadn't led me astray with the Sasha pick. And I'd have loved to have been wrong about the main event. But, hey, I'll take it. Four and one and a tie between us. Not too shabby. Not too shabby indeed. And speaking of not too shabby, we got ourselves a guest on the podcast today. He's not too shabby. He's the world's worst role model. Uh, You know him, you love him. He's on the show quite a bit. Teddy Sigma on the show. Let's hear from Teddy. Ladies and gentlemen, once again, here on The Whole Ref and Show, the only wrestling podcast that calls it right down the middle, we are joined by our good friend, good friend of the show, world's worst role model, though I disagree with that. To me, he's one of the best. He's one of our favorite guests to have on the show. He is the one and the only Teddy Stigma. How are you, Teddy? Well, I'm, I'm one of the best role models, but only to the worst people. So oh, there you go. Yeah, I don't know what that says about us, but uh, I'll take it. <laughs> like, hey, that was an underhanded compliment. <laughs> hey, that's cool. I'm, I'm somebody's best role model. Fair enough. <laughs> so, Teddy, a, a lot has happened to you uh, since we last had you on the show. Of course, uh, our dear listeners would recall that you were basically facing uh, surgery. You were facing knee surgery uh, in the very immediate future. And uh, that time came and went, and you are now post-surgery. Uh, so tell us tell us all about that. Ah, uh, yes. My greatest foe was facing off with knee surgery. <laughs> and um, let's see. Well, it, it happened. Uh, apparently, the surgery went well. They told me everything is good. Um, man, though, you know what I figured out is, like, you see all these people talking about ACL reconstruction. They're like, oh, it's the most painful thing you'll ever go through, and so on and so forth. And I, I don't know, I was like, man, I must be recovering fast. Those people are all chumps. I'm not really sure. Because, like, the first two days, I was killing it, man. Like, swelling was going down. I was walking on the end of the second day on it, you know, like, no crutches. Like, I was I was slaying it. And then since then, it's really been a, a tapering as far as the uh, recovery goes. So it was like, you know, instant recovery real fast. And then it just slowed down. So... Um, now I'm starting to get why people say that. That's I hate to hear that because when you posted those immediate recovery videos, 
online, I was like, holy crap, look at Superman. Yeah, dude, I was pumped. I legit, I thought I had superpowers. I was like, dude, I'm like Wolverine. I can recover from anything. (laughs) (laughs) You know, I know from other injuries in the past that that's not even true. So I don't know why I started to believe that so suddenly now. Um, But, uh, (laughs) but yeah, yeah. I mean, I think I'm still recovering like faster than normal. But, uh, but that's just from being, you know, reasonably healthy going into the surgeries and all that jazz. A, a lot of whiskey. A lot of whiskey, I think, helps also uh, keep some of that pain down. Yes, that's what I'm referring to. <laughs> yeah, but I'm, I'm totally with Darren on that. I mean, seeing, uh, seeing the picture of you. Well, well, first of all, we'll address this. I hate the way Instagram presents pictures now because everything's all mixed up. Because I see like, oh, this picture of Teddy from like three days ago and it's you... You know, it's you, like, laying in the hospital bed, thumbs up. You know, you're still alive. You're good, which is great. And then, like, the next picture is you from, like, that day, um, or, like, the day that I'm looking at the picture, and it's, like, you walking around in the house, and it's like, oh, my God, like, <laughs> I feel like all this stuff is happening on top of each other. It's like a kid that's born, and now he's crawling, and he's already running around. It's crazy. <laughs> I didn't know Instagram was doing that. I guess I don't pay enough attention to the dates when I'm scrolling through it, so I'm just getting all kinds of wrong information. But, yeah, I didn't even know they they mix it up now. They, like, move it, move stuff to the top based on popularity or whatever, like Facebook does, I guess. I don't know. Yeah, exactly. All that kind of stupid shit when all anybody wants is chronological order. You know, it's the, it's the damn algorithm, and it's going to take the world over, and people that made it don't even understand it anymore. That sounds conspiracy <laughs> theory on here. That shit's crazy. Yeah, hashtag Trump's America. <laughs> hey, hey! I'm not sitting around all day every day just perusing conspiracy theories online. I'm not doing that. I'm well, not, I'm not just I'm the, not just sitting here seething, thinking about all the horrible things in the world. Uh, so, so exactly how many things do you follow up with the word truther these days? <laughs> okay. Well, uh, first of all, uh, houses. Okay, I'm a housing truther. Because, like, are houses, like, bird cages for people, you know? I mean, think about it. Like, birds, they look at us from the trees, and they're like, look at these chumps. And then, also, another thing I should tell you about is that I've been experimenting with uh, alternate methods of pain control. Oh, God. (laughs) I'm not going to go into too much detail on the podcast, but, you know, they gave me all this Percocet, and I don't want to take it. So I was like, what if I try other means of pain control? Anyway, never mind. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, I was I wanted to see where I that think, went. I, I think we may be listening to the effects of alternate forms of pain control. <laughs> kind of what I was getting at. Thank you. Oh god. Yes, and as far as uh how house house truthers, I mean uh, birdcage, I can say this much, Teddy. I know why the caged bird sings. Yeah, well, it's alternate methods of pain control. <laughs> <laughs> it most certainly is. It, it most it most certainly is. I, I, I like that you say, like, you've been looking up a lot of conspiracy theories now. I feel like you would, you would have done that anyway, uh, laid up in bed or no. Um, but I, I do like your theory that maybe birds look at us and think that we're in our people houses. Uh, though they don't leave any any delicious snacks for us in the trees or on the ground uh, like we leave for them. Just saying. Yeah, I mean, that's true. Like, you know, 
we think about the birds. Why don't they think about us? <laughs> Damn selfish birds. Percocet. Percocet is why. Oh, man. I'm allergic to Percocet. I found that out. I had some surgery and I was laid up and uh, and I was just itchy and miserable and I wanted to die. And then I was on Percocet for like two days just laying in my, my hospital bed. And then eventually they were like, oh, stop taking Percocet. <laughs> and then I felt so much better. But I suffered for 48 hours. So anyway. That's terrible. Oh, it was, it was the worst. Well, Perry, uh, I hear the rumor that Teddy has alternate forms of uh, pain control. <laughs> Where were you ten years ago, Teddy? Where were you? Um, so, tell us more about uh, about your surgery. Tell tell us about um, tell us about your hospital visit. Was everything cozy? Was everything uh, good? The doctors seemed competent. Oh, oh, okay. Thanks for reminding. Me. Hey, that's what uh, I do. <laughs> I, like we may have had a public conversation on Twitter about this briefly, and I mentioned that I was going to talk about that, and I just totally forgot about it now. But it's all coming back to me. Um, <laughs> yeah. Well, apparently my doctor, as far as I can tell, he did a hell of a job. Um, I'm no doctor, but, you know, everything seems like it's all connected inside there and everything. Most of the pain I'm getting is just swell. So, now, I don't know about you, but whenever something is swelling up, I take ibuprofen, and I stick some ice on it, and I'm good to go. I stayed overnight. So my nurse the next morning, uh, was this guy named Dan, I think. Yeah, Dan. And, uh, no, wait, scratch that. Doug. <laughs> so I can protect the innocent. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Shout out to not Dan. His yeah. name is not Dan. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, so nurse Doug, um, comes in there and, you know, he, he's, he's very affable and like cheery and stuff. And he was like the right, he had a good vibe. But the more I talked to him and, and my mom was there too. She actually flew down from, from, uh, from the Northeast. A very nice thing of her to do. She's a nurse of like, I don't know, 50 years or something. So she comes down and, and she's really helping out. And she starts talking to the guy. And the more we talk to him, it just seems like he hasn't really been a nurse for very long. And, and so it gets to the point where I'm supposed to be out of this place at noon. And it gets to be about noon. He goes, okay, we're getting you out of here real soon. I was like, cool. Well, there's a, um, a drain that they have hooked up to the knee, right, where they where all the pus and blood oozes out into this pouch. Yum. So it's very handy. Good to have. So he goes, well, since you're getting out of here soon, I'm going to pull your drain out. So – he goes down there, and he has no idea how they put it in, apparently. And he's trying to get the stitches out around it. And oh. he's just ripping and tearing and yanking in all different directions. I don't know if you've ever had a plastic tube down inside your body. I have. But he's <laughs> grabbing it on the outside, and he's rotating it. So I can feel it inside my leg. Like, the curve of it is rotating and twisting, and I can feel it moving on the inside of my skin. And I was like, is this really necessary? So, <laughs> <laughs> Again, at this point, I'm like, maybe he knows his job and he's supposed to twist this thing around and make me, you know, bite down really hard on my finger. So he eventually he goes, okay, this is the hard part. I'm like, cool, because the other part wasn't. And, and <laughs> my mom goes, okay, we'll just breathe in and breathe out really hard whenever he pulls it out. And I was like, okay. So I do that and he pulls it out. And I swear to God, I've never felt like such a pud in my whole life because this thing wasn't that big, but I thought somebody was pulling a sword out of it. Like, it, he pulls it out, and then the, the feeling of it coming out from inside of you 
is indescribable as it is. But after he's done, because it was only like an inch of it that was in me, but after he's done it, it the feeling didn't go away. It's like he just was keep, like like a magician pulling out uh, uh, handkerchiefs. You know, it was just like that coming out of me. So, like, it was horrible. But I toughed out, though, because I'm Teddy Stigma, right? Of course. So I'm, I'm, I'm hanging tough, and I'm doing okay. And he goes, you'll be out of here in no time. I was like, cool. So they put a bunch of gauze on me. This thing's gushing blood still, right? Like, maybe, perhaps, they shouldn't have taken the drain out because it's gushing a ridiculous amount of blood. So now we're recycling or going through bandages. My mom, the nurse, is, or in this case, the unpaid nurse. <laughs> the is, real nurse. Yeah, well, she's like, plotting up all this blood and the nurse Doug hasn't even showed up now. He's just gone. And so like he comes back an hour later and there's just bloody gauze everywhere. And he's like, Oh, we'll get you out of here soon enough. And I'm like, Hey man, this thing's really bleeding a lot. And it's starting to swell up because the hole is clogged now and my blood's got nowhere to go. And he's like, Oh, we'll, we'll get you out of here. And then he leaves again. And so it gets to a point where I'm just like, how come nobody's giving me any ice for this stupid thing? Like this is, this is, Rule number one, you put ice on a swollen injury. And so, I don't know, I'm just a guy, but I thought of this. <laughs> so <laughs> I call up with a little phone thing. I'm like, hey, can you bring me some, uh, some ice? They're like, yeah. And I kid you not, well, they have these weird hospital bags that they use for ice in the hospital. And it's like a plastic bag, but it's coated in this, like, fabric-y stuff. And it completely insulates it. So I don't know what kind of people are icing with like a warm bag, but that's essentially what they gave <laughs> the warm bag with ice in it. And so like I put it on my knee and I don't feel anything and the swelling just keeps getting worse. Now, mind you, story's almost over. I'm also wearing this giant knee brace, which goes from my mid thigh all the way down to my ankle. And it's got a bunch of straps on it. It's got four straps on it, one on either side of the knee, another one up at the top of the thigh. So so all the blood starts to coagulate in between the, the two straps surrounding my knee and then the two straps that are above my knee. So then I started getting all these weird bumps on my leg where, like, blood was just clustering into certain individual spots. Freaking crazy. And I still have this giant welt on my thigh, which hurts as much as the knee itself. Like, that's part of the reason I can't walk around like I should be. Oh, wow. Yeah, it's crazy. And I was just like, if you idiots just, A, let me out of the hospital when you said you would, or just gave me some real ice, like ice in a, in a plastic bag, like it's meant to be done by, by real men, then uh, <laughs> you know, I would have been fine. But I don't understand why like this just crossed, I don't know, it just slipped everyone's mind. Man, that that, that sounds horrible. Um, to, to go back, we well, I mean, Nurse slash doctor uh, uh, negligence uh, aside, um, I've I've had a couple of drains in me before, and they are the worst. Uh, they are the worst because it's it's like it's it's kind of like um well, it's a long plastic tube that's in you right because they're draining the blood out and the pus out and all that stuff the extra fluid out. Um, but the the piece that's on the end of the of uh, the tube is like a, a long plastic piece. It's kind of like the long vacuum cleaner attachment. Only a much smaller version of that. So it's one thing that you, when they're when they're tugging on it, you can feel it inside of you moving around. The worst part about it, though, and and when I had mine taken out, they brace you for it because it hurts like hell. When they actually yank it out, uh, that kind of hurts. Soon as the wind hits the hole, 
that is left by the tube. That that is when like it, it just sharp pain hits you. So I I totally know where you're coming from there. You, you gave me PTSD about the drains. Uh, <laughs> I'm gonna have nightmares. But uh, yeah, that, that that's the worst. Well, sorry. You I think you already had PTSD. Um, I just I just brought it back. But the original drain is what did it. To you. <laughs> right, 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 right. <laughs> so. Uh, Gentlemen, uh, your all your horrible experiences with drains, with human drains, which really it sounds like something from a Terry Gilliam movie. Uh, but <laughs> let, I, I have not experienced this, but I'm imagining now with the description of wind hitting the hole, does it feel like like a paper cut times a million or something? Yeah, but but like on like the web of your of your hand or something like that. Oh my god! Like it it burns. Like it's like it's like oh that's it's weird. This foreign objects inside of me. Okay, you're pulling it out. Oh, now wind's hitting the hole. Uh, <laughs> I I think I still have little indentations from my drains, and that was over a decade ago. So it's crazy. I'm not. Hopefully, Teddy, you have a much better uh, healing process, and you don't have like little you don't have little reminders of uh, of this oh, whole thing. Oh, oh. I, I scar up pretty easily, so I probably will. Well, I I do recall seeing the picture of the leg. Uh, I mean, it's funny because you put like uh, like like. Can you tell which leg had uh, the operation? Um, so that was funny. I have a quick question about that picture, Teddy. Uh-huh. Why does it? Why did your leg say yes? Like yes, <laughs> this is the correct leg. That is actually. <laughs> that's exactly why. And That's so I hilarious. Because my doctor has a sense of humor or no sense of humor because <laughs> I asked them about that. And I was like, why did he just write yes? And they're like, because they don't want to do the surgery on the wrong knee. And so <laughs> for like a lot of doctors, some would write yes on one knee and then no on the other. But then it got to a point where they would just write anything at all on one knee just so they know that's the knee that you do or whatever. I so, like I like how literal and matter-of-fact it is. Yeah. So either, yes, he has some sort of sense of humor. Your surgeon is either a stand-up comedian. Uh, he moonlights as a stand-up comedian. Or he has Asperger's syndrome. <laughs> uh, I haven't talked to him enough yet to determine which of those, but I'll, I might have to get back to you guys on that one. <laughs> I, I, I hope the former. I hope, hope yeah. the former, not the latter, actually. <laughs> Post-surgery appointment is coming up in a week, so we'll see. Uh, I don't know what I would write. I put like like this one. Oh wait, no, not this one. This one, and like and like like exit out and scratch it out and go no, this one and like arrows and shit. And I'd be not, fired. I'm, I'm gonna write not not this one. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's 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 the worst. So I, so I, I love the idea of arrows from one knee pointing to the other knee. That one makes sense. <laughs> I'm glad you like that one. Uh, so you're finally out of the out of the hospital. All right. So car car ride home, and and how how's uh, how's recovering at home? You said you got uh, you got the the lady helping you out. Yeah, your girlfriend. Yeah. Well, my mom my mom went home. Yeah. Well, she took over from there. Okay. And uh, you know, but now it's been pretty easy for the most part. My cuts are all like healing. Um, they put the super glue stuff on them so i don't have any stitches to take out um you know everything's everything's pretty good it's just a matter of getting the swelling to go down so mostly my girlfriend's job is kind of like help me out with little things putting new bandages on and um reminding me to uh ice and do my 
exercises because if not, I'll just sit there and play computer games all day and forget about everything. <laughs> That's fair enough. Um, what uh, what what computer games are you playing? You ever played uh, Planet Coaster? Anything where I can like build crazy stuff, I really like. So uh, so on PC, I'm playing pa- Planet Coaster. It's just like a role or, or a, a amusement park game, you know, both like scenarios and stuff. And then uh, and then on my Kindle, I've got this very simple game where all you do is build bridges, and I'm becoming a fucking bridge expert. (laughs) (laughs) I completely understand bridge building now. Like, it's my career after wrestling, I think. I'm going to be a bridge architect. I'm sure of it. Like, I'm so good at it. (laughs) (laughs) Nice. You might be the first person to ever transition from that particular career to that other particular career. Yeah, yeah, I'm uh, I'm looking forward to it. I thought it was going to be astronaut, but I think it's going to be bridge builder. From uh, from from uh, pens with the bridge to just just bridges uh, sketched with pen. I I, I don't know, um, but it sounds good. <laughs> <laughs> it, it does sound good. Um, what's well, great? If, if our next careers uh, have to do with the uh, computer games we're playing, then. Hopefully, I will be a medieval Frankish king because uh, all I've been doing in my spare time is playing Age of Empires two. You could uh, you could pull that off. I'm looking at you in the video feed. <laughs> <laughs> it's the mustache. He can really do anything with that mustache. Um, so that's awesome. I mean, uh, I'm glad that you're at home and recovering. What, what kind of uh, what kind of downtime we're looking at here? You think? Uh, well, before I go do run errands or before I wrestle again? Like, what <laughs> we'll, we'll start with before you wrestle again. Cause I think uh, how about before you build bridges, before you build bridges, probably another like 10 minutes, however long we got you for, uh, <laughs> <laughs> I had to leave my Kindle inside. Cause otherwise I'd probably be doing it right now. Um, <laughs> Fair enough. Yeah. Uh, okay. So my doctor is, is very clear that, um, you know, the longer I wait, basically, with doing very simple exercises like locking out my knee and bending it and boring shit like that. The longer I wait to really start any intensive physical therapy, the better. And the longer the, you know, uh, the cadaver tendon has to graft in there, all that kind of jazz. So he's insisting that I wait six months before I do, like, intense physical therapy and then wait nine months before I even get in a ring and then a full year before I actually wrestle competitive again, I'm going to see if I can trim that down to nine months before I'm wrestling competitively again. But I don't know. Like, um, you know, I'm going to take my doctor's advice because he's the one that did the surgery, but sure, hopefully, when sure. I, hopefully when I go in for this, you know, two week examination, he'll be like, you're recovering miraculously. Go get in the ring now. <laughs> <laughs> We gotta ring out back. Yeah. <laughs> Face me, Teddy, right now. Um, well, that, that that means you can do like uh, you can do backstage brawls because you said don't get in the ring, and there's plenty of other places to wrestle. So joke jokes on him. He went to school for like seven years for for that. Come on. Well, that that's yeah. He doesn't know the loopholes that he's given me. <laughs> he didn't well, know who he was dealing I mean, with. Uh, uh, Perry, you say the jokes on him. 
apparently he has a sense of humor, so he'll be all right with it. <laughs> or he just will have no idea that there's a joke on him. Uh, exactly. <laughs> it's true. It'll haunt him for the rest of his days, and he won't even know it. Um, well, obviously that that's very sad because um, I know when we talked to you about uh, the possible uh, downtime, it was looking more like six to nine months, and now it's looking six to nine months and a year. Um, so that that probably was not easy to hear, I imagine. I mean, you're you're a pretty you're a pretty upbeat guy, so I'm sure you took that with a smile on your face and kind of just like okay, okay. But that that had to be hard to hear, right? Well, um, no, I. I grabbed one of those cupfuls of tongue depressors and throw it across the room. Um, but uh, he, 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 he seemed okay, and you know, he really understood that um, reaction. And then I asked him if I could make it any less, and he said probably not. So, you know, yeah. Yeah, because yeah, you... yeah, see, my, my initial reaction, you know, just uh, knowing you, having gotten to know you over the last year and knowing your, your history as an athlete, your determined attitude – and as much as you were able to wrestle on the injured leg to begin with, you know, I know, you know, your desire to be back in that ring was going to dictate, you know, you doing everything possible to trim time. But for to stare down, uh, you know, the prognosis like that, especially when uh, the doctor is being adamant, I know that's got to be discouraging. Yeah, it was a little weird because he... I mean, prior to the surgery, I just talked to his physician's assist, assistant. She, like, had a really good grasp of what was going on. Um, I didn't see him until a week before the surgery. And I think that's when he told me that time frame. Which, before that, though, like, the assistant had told me something more along the lines of, like, nine months total. So it's kind of like, you guys need to get your shit together a little bit here. But, uh, you know, I think he just takes it on a case-by-case basis. Um, this is also after he... Uh, you know, all the doctors and physical therapists and stuff, they have these techniques where they move your, your knee around and figure out which ligaments are loose in there. And uh, my good news is my MCL was actually in really good condition because I did physical therapy on that and, and you know, fixed it, essentially. You can do that with an MCL. The right. AC, so then he's, so he's wiggling around. He's, like, muttering to himself. He's like, the MCL? He's, uh, oh, it's actually really good. And then he turns my knee a little bit and he wiggles it another way. He's like... ACL is grossly incompetent. <laughs> oh. Jesus. So, you know, maybe it was then that he decided it was going to be a year of recovery. I don't know. Wow. Yikes. Yeah. yeah. I really messed that thing up. Yeah, I guess so. Did, did you think because you kept wrestling on it, it may have made it worse? Or what, what do you think? Probably. Yeah. Um, that, that... <laughs> I don't even know what to say. That that that's 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 no good. Obviously, looking forward to not looking forward to it, but dealing with nine months off is already hard enough. And then obviously, again, more than double that time uh, out of the ring. That that's got to drive you crazy. Um, but you you did wrestle a little bit more uh, on the injured leg uh, before the surgery. Uh, I know you had a you had a pretty good last match. You want to talk about that? Yeah, um, uh, it was uh, hooligans. Ah, the hooligans. Me, me and the hooligans versus Drennan and Paro and Odinson, known as the end. That was the last match I had. That was in Tampa, um, just like two weeks before the surgery. Is that the one you're talking about? That, that's the one I'm talking about. <laughs> yeah. Just making sure. That's incredible. That sounds intense as hell. Yeah, it was, it was awesome. Um, 
uh, I, I actually, so my plan was to go absolutely batshit crazy. Cause I was like, if I'm not wrestling for what I thought at the time was nine months, I might as well go nuts and like get some other injuries, you know, whatever. Um, <laughs> they can be healed together. Exactly. Um, but, uh, but it didn't, it, I mean, a lot of crazy things happened in the match, but they just weren't all done to me, which is what I expected. So I only ended up taking like one or two real sick bumps. And then, um, and then everything else, like, man, Drennan got thrown in the thumbtacks. I threw Odinson in the bottle caps. Like I was, I was clean, man. I, I didn't, I didn't get, Oh no, I did start bleeding. Not till late in the match. <laughs> <laughs> I'm thinking back on all the times I've seen you in action, uh, typically at Fest Wrestling, and I don't think I've ever seen you do a match where you didn't take some massive uh, bump, like getting triple powerbomb by Awaken into bottle caps or falling off a a ladder onto tables or... Yeah, I mean, you you, you take a lot of risks. Uh. (laughs) Yeah, I try to... I don't know. I just do, like, one dumb thing for a match. I used to do more, (laughs) so... This is me cutting back. You know? <laughs> I, know the first, <laughs> I know the first time Perry and I saw you uh, in action, you fell off uh, a ladder over some ropes through two tables uh, at the very first Fest Wrestling Pickle in the Tree. And uh, it only, I remember, I remember you running up the ropes and going off the top ropes. First time we saw you at eight seconds in Gainesville. And I was like, this Big man should not move like this, but thank God that he does. Oh man! Imagine if my knee worked though. I can (laughs) see now. I'm not trying to be like one of these old timers or anything, but back in the day, I used to do some crazy. Like I was so athletic for my size. Now I was also about 20 pounds lighter. Like I put on a whole lot of muscle, uh, but like because it's kind of weird to be six foot three and like I don't know, damn near 205 live. Size. So I thought I'd put on size, but like, look up Teddy Stigma 450 Splash. You'll see some shit. I've seen top rope moonsaults, uh, all, all kinds of great stuff from you. Stuff that, and I was thinking of that earlier today, uh, thinking about this interview and how like you you move, you move like a little guy, but you ain't a little guy. You you're a big guy. You you're, you're like one of those big dogs that hangs out with a bunch of little dogs, so he thinks he can just do what a little dog does. Um, I feel like you just described indie wrestling like perfectly. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's it's better than the other way around, where you're just a little dog who thinks he's as tough as big as a big dog. Uh, so I, I think you're in a good position. But um, believe it or not, you know, twelve or so years ago when I started wrestling, that was kind of the situation. You know, I thought I was going to be the smallest guy on any card. Uh, you know, just because I was seeing the mainstream wrestling and I wasn't as aware of indie wrestling at the time. And then once I saw that I was bigger than everybody, I was like, well, this is weird. And that's why I, I was bigger than everybody. And I was too tough. No, but you, you're, you're like a big guy. Like, we've always talked about you on the show and it's like big man, Teddy stigma. And especially next to a bunch of the, the typical indie folk. I mean, you, you tower over everyone. You're a head taller um, at least. Um, so it's, it's good. You, it's good to have the size, especially when, you know, getting scouted by, the, the quote-unquote big leagues, you know, NXT. We talked about your your NXT uh, tryout where, sadly, this entire mess began, uh, I guess, about a year and a half ago now. Um, uh, actually, about exactly one year. Oh, yeah, year. yeah. 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 Crazy. Well, I mean, it's again, it's it's 
there's going to be a healing process. It's going to suck, but it'll be over before you know it, you know? And in the meantime, you can show up in, in, in other capacities and, and just stay relevant and stick around. I heard I heard the whispers, uh, <laughs> digital whispers, your, your Twitter, I think, uh, that you might actually show up at the next Fest Wrestling show, Hardcore Hunt. Is that correct? I am hoping to do something for it, um, even if it's just, like, do a little bit on the mic and just, like, talk shit, hype people up. Maybe I'll do, like, guest commentary or something like that. I would really like to try my hand at commentary. So uh, that's what I'm trying to get myself involved with, with Fest. And uh, and I'm going to start talking to FIP about that, too. So nice. Tony and I talked about that way before the surgery. I just need to follow up on him with it. Nice. Well, that'd be yeah. cool. I mean, if something else, I'll just show up and throw stuff at people. But <laughs> I'm going to try to do something productive. Either way, hey, you don't need two good legs to, to chug a bunch of whiskey and, uh, and and raise some hell. <laughs> I think you'll be fine. I want to bring in a team of, uh, of, of, of hell raisers with me who all have two functioning legs themselves. So they'll just do my joke. <laughs> <laughs> we'll just have to get an even bigger guy to carry you on his back, uh, like, like Yoda and Luke. Oh. And uh, you can just... <laughs> He'll take you around, and you could raise hell. Uh, but we'll, we'll talk to Rich Bokini, though, friend of the show, Rich Bokini. He does commentary for Fest, and we'll say, uh, "Hey, save a seat for Teddy, all right?" Because uh, this this man always has something to say, and that 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 is for sure. Yes, and it will be a complete non sequitur. He'll have no idea what you're talking about, but it'll all come together in the end. <laughs> oh, Rich listens to our show. He loves our show. He knows. Um, <laughs> So the last time uh, we had Teddy Stigma on the show, we uh, spent a lot of time talking about, well, I was going to say wrestling, but we spent a lot of time talking about The Simpsons. And uh, (laughs) I know that uh, we were all also sort of meeting on a common ground. We were talking about, uh, Teddy was having some thoughts about something that I had also mentioned, which was the problem with postmodernism. And the problems that arose when people tended to overlap irony at creating the problem that at what point is anything sincere? At what point is anything genuine? And what other types of problems arise? Well, Teddy, I know you were going to get to work hard on this very subject. Uh, I imagine you might have had some free time to do that. Am I right? Well, uh <laughs> You know, I haven't done anything since the since the surgery actually on this list. Um, I have this little notebook that's uh, promo ideas, and I write down all my promo ideas in there. So the list sort of got just lost somewhere in the middle of them all. But I still did compile a list of one, two, three, four, five uh, things, each of which could be its own very long conversation. So I'll probably have to rapid fire through these things. <laughs> um, but let me put you guys on the spot here real quick. Did either of you compile a list? I, I left that to Darren. Darren is the ultimate list compiler. Um. Uh, Darren, were you informed? <laughs> I was not informed of this. Um, I, I mean, I'm informed of my status as the list compiler. Um, but apparently, uh, here I am on the spot, and no. I, I unfortunately must report that I was not uh, able to come up with anything, any specifics related to this very topic. Okay, well, feel free to uh, chime in uh, on my little list here of, of, of irony overlapping on itself examples. Um, <laughs> all right, you guys ready? Ready. You Number one, bet. 
Okay. Uh, ooh, uh, Darren, you're going to love this one. Mustaches. <laughs> All right. <laughs> so. Go on. Uh, they were cool in what decade? 70s and the 80s, probably a little bit of both of those. Well, I mean, it depends on how far we want to go back. But if we're talking about our generation plus our parents' generation, then, yeah, as far as just a mustache, probably the 80s. Now, I can I can recall uh, when mustaches were not popular, looking back at pictures of people in mustaches and thinking, wow, that's a really ugly thing to do. Uh, and then people started bringing them back, um, sort of as a joke, you know? Oh, uh, uh, Movember. Does anybody remember Movember? Oh, um, yeah. You know, and so and in November, everybody started growing out their mustaches. And then, like, people just kept them. And and somehow it just looped around to to just wearing a must Like, uh, Darren, you have a full goatee and the handlebars, which, uh, you know, is a, a tad antiquated. And, you know, we, we get it. But, uh, <laughs> like, like I, what I'm wondering is, was it also meant to be ironic in the 70s or in the 80s? when they started doing it then? See, now that is a very, very good question. Um, I don't think so. I actually have to ask my dad about that because my dad is famously a wearer of a mustache. I've never seen his upper lip in my entire life, and and that's a long that's a long life I've lived. Same. I, I, I can say the same for my dad, actually. Just never lost the mustache. Waited till it cycled back through again to being cool. Well, now, Teddy, let me say this. Let me say this, and I and I have photographic evidence of this. And maybe, maybe I did. Maybe I, maybe I completely uh, subconsciously created number one on your list because I'm living that example. Uh, Perry could tell you it was in the spring of 2006. So 12 years ago now that he and I, uh, with some other folks, were living in Van Nuys, California, and I simply had a very large, bushy beard, which I had grown throughout college. And at that time, I literally sat there one day and just began twisting all of my facial hair, just keeping my hands busy. And... By the time I stopped, I realized that my mustache was long enough that it literally curled up. Well, in 2006, no one, nary a hipster, and certainly no one else, was curling their mustache. So when I did it, I wasn't intending to do it, and I certainly wasn't intending to keep it until I happened to look in the mirror, and I was like, actually, I kind of like that. And well, one of our other roommates, good friend of ours, said, we got ready to go to Universal Studios. He goes, you're not leaving the apartment like that, are you? And I was like, what are you talking about? So spitefully, I went to Universal Studios with this handlebar mustache. Well, 12 years later, and it has not left my face. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so you're you're an OG, you know, when it comes to the handlebar mustache. Well, aside from the people who did it in, like, the 1880s. But, like, I, I too, was a mustache wearer. I did this in probably... 2011 so it was like right as the trend was picking up and i remember there was a guy that was at the wrestling school when i started growing mine out and he was like he was like hey man i used to have a handlebar mustache too i was like oh yeah he's like yeah he's like you got to be ready to live that life man 
And I was like, what? <laughs> and he gives me some mustache wax <laughs> and uh, like a stuffed mustache to hang from your rear mirror in the car. And I was like, what's all this to do? And like, sure enough, though, man, I remember back then, like people would come up to me and be like, bro, I respect that stash, bro. And like, you know, shake hands with me or something and walk away. It was the most bizarre thing. But now it's just, uh, it, it really has gotten to the point now where like, you don't even second, second glance somebody that has a handle bottom mustache. At least I don't. I don't know. Maybe other people do. Do people still come up to you and give you knuckles for, uh, Mustache respect. Whoa, 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 yeah. whoa, 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 whoa. If, if I may, as as uh, third party perspective here, uh, hanging around Darren, I, I will say he he does get compliments, um, and a lot of the ladies quite enjoy the mustache. I've seen complete strangers, uh, women, fairly good looking ones too, walk over and just say, "Can I please twirl your mustache?" And here, here's the best part: Darren always says the same thing, which is. Are your hands clean? So it's like, man, man, he's got them. He, he's got them right where he wants them. It's like, maybe, but if, if you are a cleanly person, then yes, <laughs> I will let you touch my mustache. So I will say that. I am looking forward to if if Simon Grimm uh, shows up at this next fest show like he's supposed to. I want to see Simon Grimm and Darren in a picture oh, together. Man. The Trolley Mustache Brothers. That'd be yeah, great. Cool, uh, put your dukes up pose with them, you know. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. And, and, yeah. one, and one more thing, uh, I thought Movember was a Three Stooges marathon, um, so I don't know what that was. Uh, moving on, uh, more more on your list of uh, ironies, my friend. Well, uh, last we talked, I guess it was December because uh, clearly I had I had Christmas on the mind. Um, so my next thing on the list is ugly Christmas sweaters. Oh, good one. So, back in my day, when I went to an ugly Christmas sweater party, you went to a thrift store and you found the most hideous Christmas sweater from 1984 that people wore back then because they thought it looked good on them. And the joke was, was that, wow, people used to wear this shit and... Now we're wearing it as a joke because people used to think it looked good, and here we all are looking like a bunch of idiots at this ugly Christmas sweater party, and that's the fun, that's the joke. But then somehow that turned into uh, that turned into like Target making quote unquote ugly Christmas sweaters for thirty bucks a pop or whatever, and people are just heating them up, and I I don't yeah. know where the switch was. I can't, I don't understand it. Like, yeah, that 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 switch was imperceptible, and I don't know when it happened either. And I particularly loathe this one. Oh, well, I'm glad I'm not the only one. That and, and, a, and a quick anecdote about that is, I was um, there's this this guy I work with at my regular job, and uh, during a short time of the year, we have um, hoodie sweatshirts, right? Just a standard green sweatshirt or red, and it's got a picture of a Christmas tree on it. Uh, it's like a cartoon Christmas tree with a face. And that's it. By no means an ugly Christmas sweater, right? doesn't fit the definition at all. It's not even knit anything. And right. uh, at like a gas station or a Wawa or something, he told me, was like, I love your ugly Christmas sweater. And he's like, it's just a hoodie. And she's like, yeah, but it's like an ugly Christmas sweater. I really like it. And it's like the word ugly doesn't even matter to people when they say it anymore. <laughs> like it's just anything to wear for Christmas. 
is now called an ugly Christmas sweater in some people's minds. Oh, that's awful. No, that, that that is the worst. I, I I do think as far as like corporations now manufacturing ugly Christmas sweaters for the point of doing it and selling it to people. I I think one it, it's a cheap grab or it's like oh I've got one of those ugly Christmas sweater parties. I'll just go buy one. This says it is one, so I guess it is one. But the thing is, you, you can't set out to make ugly-looking clothing. It just has to be clothing that was made that is now hideous to think about wearing. Like, like you said, you would go to a thrift store and find something old and be like, ugh, people wore this. It's perfect. Um, instead of going to the store and, this one's covered in soccer balls and stormtrooper helmets. It says it's ugly Christmas sweater. Okay, 30 bucks. Here you go. So yeah, it I, literally has the words "ugly Christmas sweater" written on it. Literally, yes. Yeah. yeah. Okay, Teddy. I think I, I think I actually have. I think I have a very good one to interject. I always understood the cyclical nature of fashion because in the '90s we watched a lot of the '70s clothes come back. It took a while. It took a lot longer for '80s fashion to come back. But, you know, basically, we live long enough, you see the cyclical nature of fashion, but it's not necessarily ironic. Now, mm. the first time that I saw fashion that was truly ironic was around 2001, when uh, Ashton Kutcher was in Spin Magazine wearing a trucker hat. Yeah, yeah. And quote, unquote mesh snapback trucker hat and spin magazine was pointing out the fact in this in 2001 as early as 2001 they referred to the hat as a thrice ironic trucker hat oh now if in 2001 the trucker hat was already thrice (laughs) ironic (laughs) then 17 fucking years later how ironic is the trucker hat when you're wearing it, or has it completely transcended irony? I feel like, as a society, we are transcending irony somehow. Like, it just doesn't... Like, it's not even a thing to people now. Like, it, it, like that's a, a perfect example. Um, yeah, I don't know. Like, I've, I've made this list, but it hasn't gotten me much closer to a, a definite explanation of what happened but it is important that you point out the cyclical nature of of fashion i was literally about to say the same thing because i was thinking about eyeglasses and sunglasses and they tend to do that too um and people don't wear them as a joke first it just kind of comes back into vogue so you're right though the trucker hat was worn because they knew it was ugly i'm not sure why it was thrice ironic in 2001 it just seems like that would be the first time it was ironic i don't know right right well, I guess that the, I guess Spin Magazine fancied themselves uh, the uh, purveyors of fashion. They didn't go into that at all. That in, into the price part, they just—they didn't. It was just an offhanded comment. It was just a caption for a picture. Actually, are, are you sure it wasn't a trucker hat advertising the band Thrice, Darren? <laughs> you, you stole that right out from underneath me. <laughs> <laughs> very nice oh. you know what? actually now you're making me doubt the last 17 years of my life 
That, that, that's what that's what you get for for Teddy reminding me of the pain of drains. Um, so yeah. <laughs> All right, I've got uh, I've got three more. Um, I'm gonna keep one real short. Short. Also about Xmas. Uh, have you seen the big giant Christmas lights? Like not the normal ones that are like mm, the size of your thumb, but like the ones that are huge. Yes, like the like, size of your head. Right? The size of your head. So why? So so they had Christmas lights, which were like the bigger ones, you know, because like everything was made out of ceramic and they didn't have the tiny little electricity back then. All right, sure. people put up those kind of Christmas lights, and <laughs> right. that was like the, the fun thing to do. And then, you know. I don't know, manufacturing got better. So we were able to make smaller Christmas lights. And everybody's like, hey, isn't it better now that these lights are smaller and more manageable, blah, blah, blah. And then we started making big Christmas lights again to be retro Christmas light. And then at some point, people just started sticking a regular 60-watt bulb in a big fake plastic Christmas light. (laughs) Is that ironic or is it just... uh, the logical conclusion. I don't know. Oh, see, I'm not, oh, I, I don't think it's a logical conclusion. I think that is true. That is outright like nostalgic irony. Like it's irony for the sake of it's abusing nostalgia is what it is. <laughs> right. Christmas lights aren't supposed to look like Christmas lights. They're supposed to twinkle and shine and make everything glow and be prettier. The purpose isn't be, you know, a giant ugly ball. And they're ugly. They're hideous. Like those giant ones they make. Anyway, that's a short one. <laughs> we won't just keep into it. it okay. It's a short one, but it still it still deserves to be on the list. Uh, but continue. Um, here's one that we all love as wrestling fans. USA Chant. Um, yes. Right? We're a symbol of, of, of patriotism. Uh, maybe a little bit of xenophobia, but patriotism. Uh, you know, when a wrestler wearing a flag that wasn't American came to the ring, you know, whatever. Um, and then at some point, though, like, people started to realize how ridiculous it sounded, and they started making fun of it. Like, I used to have a friend who would just start chanting USA in the middle of a bar because everybody would just start chanting along with them. But it was, like, funny. Like, it got to a point where, like, people thought the chant was funny and ridiculous. And then now that patriotism is sort of looped back onto itself, like now it's a show of patriotism again the chant usa right like but at some point maybe it never got away for certain groups of people maybe well that's true for certain groups of people it definitely never got away that's right. like, that, that, that much is definitely true to the the whatever the guy wearing like fatigues and coming out with an american flag like on your local you know, uh, mid-Georgia indie show or whatever. Like, that's definitely always been going on. Don't forget that if you chant USA at uh, <laughs> Lord Stephen Regal, it physically hurts him. I quite enjoy the USA chant. Um, I, I think it's one of the ultimate uh, uh, wrestling chants. But, but my favorite thing is to use it at times where you should not use the USA chant. Like uh, Darren and I went to an NXT show, and it was uh, it was two tag teams uh, going at it. Um, one of the tag teams was Alexander Wolf, who uh, maybe German is he German? Um, and, yeah, he's German. Yeah, and Sawyer Fulton. It's before they were Sanity, and uh, the other two guys were definitely not from the United States. So I, I started chanting USA. 
which is very confusing because <laughs> it's two tag teams. And, and basically, I'm supporting one guy. On, I'm, I'm supporting one half of one of the tag teams with the USA champ. And, and Sawyer Fulton like looks over at my area because he doesn't know it's me doing it. And he's like, I'm the only guy from the United States that's here. <laughs> um, so so that, that's my favorite thing. Or, or if it's two guys who are both from the USA... I'll do a USA chant, and it's 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 just it loses its meaning basically. Um, well, well, maybe uh, I guess maybe that is why it lost its meaning. Is wise guys like you? No, it, it literally is. And and one more quick story. My favorite my favorite USA chant story is uh, living out here in Los Angeles, uh, where I typically am, and have been for the last you know ten eleven years. I went to see Vince McMahon get a star on the Hollywood Walk of Fame, and I'm with a, a crowd of 100 people, and I'm, I'm with, like, two friends, and Vince McMahon comes out, he's making a speech and everything, and I start a USA chant uh, in the middle of his speech as, 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 as kind of a fuck you to Vince McMahon, just to, just to fuck with Vince McMahon. And I remember him him leaning over to, to Triple H, and, and you can hear him go, what are they saying? And Triple H, they're saying USA. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway that, that, that's that so basically i i take the usa chant and just kind of i warp it and i i misuse it and that's my favorite thing see Teddy, you are getting to the bottom of some of these mysteries <laughs> maybe i am maybe i am after all I, i'm a bad person oh. so that that's my answer <laughs> all right now guys i'm gonna i'm gonna i might be walking on thin ice here maybe with some of your listeners i'm not really sure but i'm gonna go ahead and I think I think my my I'm gonna what's what's it called when you put your cards on the table? I'm gonna put my cards on the table. It's called putting your uh, cards on the table. Yeah. Okay, good. I got it. I figured it out. Good. Guy. Um. Okay. The most perfect example of <laughs> irony overlapping on itself and manifesting itself in reality. Do you guys have any guesses? <laughs> Uh, from, from you, I, I, I can't even begin to guess. I, I can't wait to hear this. I think you already know what it is. Uh-oh. President Donald Trump. Oh, I was going to make a joke about it. I was going to say, uh, Teddy's pro-Trump, everybody. So what's, no. go what's going on here? What's going on? I mean, I will, I will neither confirm nor deny, uh, because I'm apolitical, because that's what WWE wants me to be. Um, but I'm only speaking about our dear leader, uh, in terms of irony here. Okay. Not from any political perspective. Right. Um, did you guys see the picture of him? Now, Leanne, this is a few months ago, a couple months ago where he was, uh, playing golf and he was wearing his suit unbuttoned <laughs> with a white shirt underneath that just a white hat. A hat, just a, just a white baseball cap, and it just had the letters USA emblazoned on it. Did you see this picture? I can't say I that I did. I think I saw that picture now. Somebody, comment, somebody doing a commentary on it said it's basically what a five-year-old would draw of, of what the president would look like. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's pretty That's pretty accurate, yes. Very true. Like, it was so spot on. Or, the way I sort of look at it is, like, it, it's the height of celebrity worship, rich people worship that we do 
in America. It's such an American thing to be so into celebrity and so into like idolizing those with money. Rich people worship turns into is is voting for the richest guy. Not really, but that's what people think of him to be like the person who is the leader because he'll somehow do it better than the other people. And right. it's almost like Donald Trump to me is what a person from another country would think of as the president of the United States, even if they didn't know who the president was. Like, he's sort of the epitome of, of that c- culture in a way. And, and it's ironic. I, I see you pointing there, Darren. Go ahead and jump in, because I, I got more to get to. <laughs> he, he's he's on to our pointing system. T- <laughs> <laughs> no, I... Uh, yeah, I don't want to hijack what you're saying, so please don't forget where, where you're at. I just want to say I, I have to speak to what you're saying about uh, the idea that Trump embodies what a non-American might imagine the American president to be like. Now, that in and of itself is sort of meta. That's ironic that that's what it's become because the American president really has not been that stereotype. The American president over the years has been a lot of stereotypes, but Donald Trump or this idea of celebrity, it has not been, or certainly not the dumb fat American anyway, uh, which unfortunately has been the perception for a lot of the world for 20 or 25 years, the stupid American, the lazy, the pop culture American or whatever. You know, say what you will about George W. Bush or Bill Clinton, even they didn't quite, in, in they, they didn't even come near what Donald Trump represents in, t- in terms of personality type. Yeah, I th- yeah. so that's definitely kind of what I was trying to get to with the whole meta irony of it. It's, it's like the, the person who uh, is the most American American <laughs> now the leader of America, you know, because like, why not? <laughs> right. And think about this. What happened uh, when the uh, like awards season, all of a sudden it, Hollywood decided that the only person in America who was qualified to run against Donald Trump in three oh. years is Oprah Winfrey. Like, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. like, uh, is this now? Now this really is a horrible movie, and I'm not saying Oprah Winfrey is uh, a worse person than Donald Trump. I'm not saying she's a better person. I'm not saying they have anything in common. But but I, well, yes, I am. I am saying they have one thing in common, which is neither of them are politicians. Neither of them have a background in politics. And how is Hollywood going to back Oprah? That it's it's too. It's two uh, ends of the spectrum. It's it's still extreme for the sake of extreme. Yes, it's just it's just the the opposite but the same basically. And and yeah, I thought that was equally stupid. I really did, and I was so annoyed by it. And then I had people who even people that I like had a little bit of respect for that were like, oh yeah, we should do that. And it's almost like, <laughs> are you are you saying that to be ironic? Because be careful. Because that's just going to come back around and bite you in the ass. Like, it's already happened once. So, yeah. <laughs> and, and to be fair, though, we're talking about celebrity. I, I, I do think Barack Obama was the first celebrity president. Not because he became president but by being a celebrity, but he became a celebrity 
by being president for sure. Right. Like he's really like, you know, he's sort of, I think, uh, set, he, he set the table a little bit for a celebrity president, maybe unwittingly, but just by being someone who was always at award shows and taking pictures with Ellen DeGeneres and shit like that. You know what I mean? Like he was essentially the first celebrity president. Well, he was he, the president. One didn't necessarily lead to the other. No, exactly. And I mean, and and I mean, there have been. Uh, I would argue that, and this is going back a hundred years, but Teddy Roosevelt was a celebrity president. But yeah. Barack Obama is the is the Twitter president. I mean, he's he he truly was the twenty first century president. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Although I don't know I mean, about the Twitter president. Clearly, Trump's got that one locked down. I mean, geez. yeah, yeah. No, well, there, well, there you go. I just mean not necessarily Twitter, literally, but just this idea yeah. of what we've moved into because George W. Bush couldn't do that at all. There's, there's a million different reasons why he couldn't, but suffice it to say, he didn't. I would actually go back and say that Clinton might be the first celebrity president, only because he still seems to be like. Instead of being like uh, the former president Bill Clinton, he seems to be like famous guy Bill Clinton. He's cool. He's backstage at Paul McCartney, baby. He's on Conan. Yeah, like I don't know. To me, he kind of seemed very celebrity y. But I, I know what Darren's saying with the whole because I, I think of like Obama. Think of him saying, you know, uh, typically well timed, polite, you know, positive things on Twitter, whereas Trump kind of says anything and and anyone who says anything at, at any time. You know, obviously most of it's going to be who gives a shit, one, <laughs> and two, just, oh, we should have thought that through, you know, kind of stuff anyway. Um, so it, it, it's rough. I, I do think one thing that helped elevate Trump to the position of president, um, and we do we never talk politics on this show uh, unless, you know, oh, Rich. No, I'm, sorry, I'm sorry. I didn't want to bring it into a politics discussion. It's just an irony. No, 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 absolutely. But, you know, well, 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 irony, then you're good. Well, well, this is on the table, um, you know, just just very quickly, I, I've always thought it's interesting what brought Trump into it was having the 24-hour news channels, they have to fill all this time, so they make people like the Kardashians more important than they actually are. They make Donald Trump more important than he actually is. So you start to confuse that with actual real news, so it seems like Trump is someone who's very, very important, who is somehow involved politically because you see his name pop up as often as you would see like Barack Obama's name pop up, you know. So it, it, it kind of confused people to where they were like, you know, all of a sudden saying, oh, Trump is president. And they were like, well, why not? You know, <laughs> they're always talking about him on Fox yeah. News. So, you know, to me. Yeah. That's true. That's almost, I guess that's, that's, that's the whole like, uh, you know, they say, like, fake it till you make it or whatever. <laughs> like, yeah, absolutely. You know, I mean, if someone points like, at you and says, you run for president. Yeah, but if, if, someone, if someone points to you and say, you run for president, you can't go like, oh, no, not me. You go like, I guess, sure. You know, <laughs> and then because, I mean, I remember in the very beginning when, you know, all the Republican candidates got together and it was like a thousand of them and Donald Trump. Everyone immediately went, OK, so not Donald Trump, but who else? And then. We have a president now, so yeah. Fake it until you make it, Teddy. You said it yourself. Yeah, I'm just, you know, like I've been doing that for like ten or eleven or twelve years now. I, um, I fake wrestle all the time. I don't know what's. And then nobody, nobody's asked me to be a real wrestler yet. I don't get it. <laughs> I, I, I think you're a fine wrestler, Teddy, and and uh, and we. Uh, <laughs> And uh, I, I don't know what we're talking about right now. I'm a little this? confused. How about this? 
if we're gonna if we have to return it to uh, to irony, how uh, why are, are we are we are too afraid to discuss the irony that is professional wrestling? <laughs> um, well, wrestling is very much a art imitates life, right? So wrestling is just a reflection of society. So if society is just overlapping on itself in an endless. Uh, ironic black hole then wrestling surely will too um, and wrestling in itself uh, yeah just kind of walks that line uh, for you know why we're afraid to talk about it is because there's too damn many reasons yeah well, <laughs> well, well think about that well think about this think about the level at which and I'm just going to put this straight out there because I have been the brunt of this harsh accusation and this mockery uh you know i've had the finger pointed at me and say why darren beasley why at your age with your level of education and your life experience what the hell do you get out of watching professional wrestling now i can tell i can answer that person's question if they'll give me about six or seven hours right right now and and the appeal has to do with about five or six layers of irony. Hmm. Five or six different layers of appreciation of art and the intrigue of drama. There's multiple layers in there to appreciate. That's my answer to that, is that it is inherently intriguing in more ways than just about any other art form. Yeah, absolutely. I I could get down with that for sure. Um, I I don't I don't look at wrestling so much as an art as I do a, a craft. Like I, I really see it as more of like I'm expressing a craft than an art. But like even even if I just switched the word craft with the word art every time you and, and every time you said art, I could say the exact same sentence basically. Uh, um, you know, fair enough like, and. And I think that that is, uh, I think that that's fair too. I respect your position uh, th- uh, as as a as a craftsman. Um, right, right, right. Nice. And you know, you you spend your your days as a performer, as as, uh, as that performer who's in the ring plying your craft. And I guess most of my adult life, anyway, uh, I've sort of looked at wrestling always whether i was an insider or an outsider i always looked at it from the top down like i was you know uh kicking over an anthill like i always look at it i think from the promoter's perspective because i'm a natural storyteller uh right and i'm not an in-ring performer i'm not plying my craft of wrestling and so because I'm trying to tell this overarching story, it is naturally artistic to me. I see what you're saying. Yeah. Because, yeah, it's, almost, sure. because it's almost literary, I guess, is my point. <laughs> right, right, right. You're, but anyway. If, 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 if done properly, it's, it's Shakespearean. It's, it's literary. Uh, absolutely. <laughs> um, but you, you are a craftsman, uh, Teddy Sigma. You are an artist. Uh, you're you're a, a tall man uh, amongst little men uh, and and women. Uh, <laughs> so and let me just say, let me just say, Teddy, I would never kick over your anthill. Oh shucks, that'd be a tall anthill. 
All right, Teddy. Well, tell tell uh, tell the listeners where they can keep up with your uh, crazy shenanigans. Okay, so I've got an Instagram, and I can say that it is called Real Teddy Stigma without having to think about that. <laughs> and I have a Twitter, which is just Teddy Stigma. I also have a Facebook, which is just Teddy Stigma. I never post anything on the Facebook. Don't even bother. Um, but the uh, except for show flyers, which I won't have many of those coming up. Um, Twitter, I'm pithy and I say lots of dumb stuff. Instagram, I'm pretty much only talking about my recovery right now. So if you want to, you know, see pictures of my scars and my swollen knee and me limping around and all that kind of jazz, um, that's where to go. I found a, 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 a rather, just as a brief aside, um, there's quite the community on Instagram of people recovering from uh, ACL surgery. That makes sense. Knee surgery in general. So, yeah, yeah I've gotten... <laughs> new followers and i followed them back and now i'm just watching what other people are doing and uh yeah kind of interesting you know they're like i'm on day 66 and i can do this and i'm like cool uh, i'll see what i do on day 66 anyway <laughs> yeah it's all been a, it's all been a pretty interesting experience but if you want to follow me and join that experience with me real teddy stigma on instagram awesome well yeah, we man. we follow him he follows us so we we appreciate the reciprocal following <laughs> Well, Teddy, we appreciate you stopping by. We hope you'll uh, come by again soon. We'll, we'll check in on you and see how the healing process is going. Uh, I have a feeling when we check in on you in the next uh, couple months or so, you'll be doing uh, uh, moon salts and, uh, and handstands and all that other stuff that you, you do so well. One can hope. Thanks, guys. Oh, Teddy, we appreciate you. We always appreciate you checking in, and we'll see you soon, bud. All right, later. Check you later. And once again, we want to thank Teddy Sigma for stopping by. Always a pleasure. Always a lot of fun. Oh, Teddy, you're the best. You're the best, Teddy. And man, we really get on that ledge, don't we? That limb with Teddy. and talk about all kinds of stuff very far removed from wrestling. Hope we don't lose any wrestling fans uh, with that one. But it's good stuff. I like it. Well, you know what they say. When the bow breaks, the cradle will fall. This is true. They say that to, to babies who can't sleep. <laughs> hope you enjoyed uh our 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 conversation with teddy hope you enjoyed our review for uh elimination chamber uh did you did you not let us know there are a lot of ways you can do that let us know on twitter at ref and show podcast that's r-e-f-n-s-h-o-w-p-o-d-c-a-s-t find us on facebook like and share we appreciate it send us a gmail at the whole ref and show at gmail.com. T H E W H O L E R E F N S H O W at gmail.com. Or. Or we're on Instagram all the time at the whole ref and show. T H E W H O L E R E F N S H O W. Come check out our pretty pictures. Add us as a friend. Like us. Like our pictures. Like our comments. Write us comments. Ooh. We'll communicate right back with you. It's a great forum for communication and for showing off. And everybody loves to show off. <laughs> showing off? Uh, showing off what exactly? Showing off your incredible photography oh, okay. skills. Darren, you are a photog. How excellent of a model you are for someone else's photograph. Showing how incredible of a historian you are because you've dug up a gem from wrestling's past and you want to put it on 
Instagram for everyone to view. Or just show us what you're eating. Just take a picture of your food and tag us in the picture and let us know. That, that, that's fine, too. Uh, <laughs> well, that, that's but Jared's department. That, you'll be deleted. No, 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 no. I'm kidding. Hulk Hogan is going to take a picture of his food and say, Oh, here's my food, brother. You're going to go, sorry, Hulk, got to delete you. And you're going to be in hot water, Darren. Uh, I guess Hulk knows about hot water. Anyway, uh, <laughs> let's end the episode there. Uh, episode 76, we appreciate you guys joining us here. And I uh, hope you come back for 77 next week on the only wrestling podcast that calls it right down the middle. The whole ref and show. My name is Perry Smith. And my name is Darren Beasley. And we're going to see you then. Bye-bye. Hey, Bray, I was robbed. Hey, man, and you didn't... <laughs>